Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to The Sage Sayers. You're listening to Debbie Gardner-McCullough. I'm a narrative coach and a communications coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. Every week, The Sage Sayers unpacks business communication tips and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all over the world who found a gift and an opportunity from challenging situations. My guest today is Jane Willoughby. She's a professional coach based in rural Alberta, Canada. Jane's a true sage sayer who's found the gifts and opportunities through life's inevitable setbacks, and she has cheerfully reinvented herself multiple times and across multiple industries. Jane started working as a nurse where she specialized in psychiatry and taught nurses as part of this role how to communicate within tricky situations. Jane has also cared for Alzheimer's patients, and now, after robust credentialing across multiple top-tier agencies, she's a certified coach focusing on positive intelligence and mental fitness, the program coined by New York Times bestselling author Shazad Shamim. So how do I know Jane? We met through a positive intelligence accelerator program designed to help build our businesses and to help us build awareness of which mental obstacles we're getting in our way. I also bonded with Jane through our mutual love for art. Jane has a BFA in art and design. She's even exhibited her award-winning works throughout Canada and abroad. She's also developed and taught multiple art and design programs. Jane, welcome to the Sage Sayers. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's really good to have you with us today. So, Jane, you've had this colorful career. And when I read your bio this morning, I just envisioned this butterfly flying across a field of flowers. You've brought your skills and passions into multiple industries. And I did detect some themes across all that you've touched. I wondered what consistent themes do you see? I uh, that's a really good question. I I took some time to think about that and from the time I was a child I've been fascinated with discovering things that are hidden. Uh and and I love the surprise of that discovery of things that are hidden. Uh, so um, when I was a kid, I used to like to crack open rocks and see the beauty inside. When the outside was gray and kind of ugly, the inside was always so beautiful. Uh, driving through uh, across the southern prairies, always looking out the window through that mirage, you know, atmospheric, squiggly atmosphere the herds of antelope would be running through them. So it was discovering things that are hidden seems to come up over and over throughout my lifetime. And um, another another common theme was this, the contrast between light and dark. Hmm. Um, it, living on the southern prairies in Alberta, strong, hot suns, it's almost desert-like uh, environment. And, you know, the light was intense. And then when the light would hit the hills and the river valley, it would create all kinds of shadows. So you can't see the darkness or the shadows without the light, and you can't see the light without the shadow. So I've always been interested in 
in the contrast of light and dark and the dark parts of us as human beings what what that's all about is been endlessly entertaining for me well as i was listening jane i'll confess i started to think of that beautiful image you shared and with your permission we can speak after our interview on whether you permit me but that beautiful image you shared with your first workshop that mm-hmm. you launched to the youth and there was that picture where it was like you're right your art has a lot of dark and then light and and the contrast is quite striking so we could get into your art more some more soon but I wondered as you grew up in this gorgeous prairie land with these stark contrasts of light and dark who inspired you and to pursue such a caring and then such a creative career? Yeah, uh, it was my parents for sure. My dad was a scientist and he was the more uh, gentle of the of my two parents. He was the caregiver and my mother was an artist and she was also well-educated and, and, um, definitely she she influenced me she went back to school when i was 17 years old and she became a nurse and then nursed in psychiatry for several years before she retired so that caregiving um part of me came from my parents um and then the art interest came from my mother as a young child she would um consult my dad and I about her paintings that she was doing she'd say well what do you see and does it all fit and does it work and I saw from an early age that two people can look at the same painting and see completely different things my dad and I would have a completely different uh, perspective on what we were looking at and um, it wasn't until later in my mom's life just before she passed away that I found out she'd been colorblind and that's why she was asking for input about her paintings. She would talk to anybody she could about what they saw in her work because she needed that reassurance about the colors she was using and that kind of thing. So perception was, um, learn and learning about perception was early for me because of my experiences with my mom and dad. Oh, it's a beautiful story and how touching to realize that your mum's incentive for that validation was was quite different and, and more poignant than you realized as a girl. So, Jane, I'm visualizing you in this eclectic household, yeah. this bright household with intelligent and, and curious people and, and there's that creativity theme too. I wondered as you grew up and entered adulthood and gathered your own training, at what point did you realize art and then creativity must remain a theme? Well, it was it's been art and creativity has been woven throughout everything I've done. Uh, even though at times I focused on nursing and science and being at university and studying different things. Um, There was always art activities going on at home and in my free time. And um, 
I was surrounded by people who were involved in the arts. I have some family members who were actors, another one a novelist. My mom was trained as an opera singer in her youth. So there was always music and and um, theater and creative activities going on. And as a kid, I played the piano and sang in a very well-traveled choir and I was an ice dancer. I was an elite athlete and ice dancer for a number of years. So the creativity was built into our everyday life. And how did it feel having creativity through your everyday life? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because for me it just felt normal. It just felt like it was part of who mm-hmm. I was and who the people were around me. There was no, uh, it was almost um, uh, invisible in mm-hmm. some, it was so well woven into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, so you had this, this creativity and this love for creativity woven into your life and you moved into multiple careers and from your bio it I'm I'm sure it wasn't seamless but it looked seamless and I wonder but and I could definitely see the narrative that you wove for me in in the writing of your bio but I I know from coaching and from relationships with friends all over the world that creating change can feel so intimidating and often many of us avoid creating change, but what has helped you feel rooted and then empowered to change careers in such an exciting way? Mm. Well, um, I had wanted to do the arts, young woman, and uh, I realized fairly early on that I wouldn't likely be able to make a good living at that. So that's what sent me into the nursing. It, it was be a way to support myself and support my art interests. And um, boy, that was sure an about face for me. But my mom was just finishing her her nursing training. And I thought if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> How lovely. Yeah. You so, inspired each other. Yeah. And so I pursued the nursing and um, went in that direction for a number of years. Um, and I learned along the way, um, and it's become kind of a philosophy for me of, uh, in life in dealing with change and difficult situations that, um, and I hope you don't mind my language here, but. No, go ahead. In the uh, in the shit of life, there is always buried some beautiful gem or seed of hope or magic, and um, I believe it's our job to try and discover that and create uh, beauty for ourselves from those gems we discover, and they're they're always buried. <laughs> yes. And when you, um, I, I know that through being a practitioner of mental fitness, we both are, we, we've been trained and we, and we train those that we coach and serve too, to look for um, the gift and the opportunity and then the knowledge from each setback. I wondered what knowledge have you been able to roll over 
anything additional that you haven't shared already from nursing into coaching, for instance? Um, I just think that life can be hard. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from from the nursing. It was, you know, a lot of those people were facing life and death situations. Um, uh, and there's always some goodness that can be found in those situations if we settle inside enough and try and discover them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I learned from the nursing. Yeah. Yeah. And now as a coach, I've noticed from your recent LinkedIn post, you're bringing creativity into your coaching and encouraging us as working professionals to make creativity a tool. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about what the vision is and why it feels really important. Well, I, you know, it's the thing that's come up for me in this last few years is that the way we're educated, we're we're all born creative, you know, children are very creative in their learning and um, somehow the education system um, moves us more into our intellectual analytic brain and um, uh I do believe that human beings function best when we're using our whole brain, all of our brain, and that includes creativity and intuition. And I think that that will stay strong if we just have a practice, a creative practice. And it's not about creating masterpieces in, in painting or music or whatever. It's about a practice of moving our brains into that intuitive, no thinking brain space and playing around with art materials is a wonderful way, a wonderful vehicle for getting us to do that. Or maybe somebody would be interested in creating in the kitchen with food, you know, same thing, any kind of creative activity exercises that part of the brain. And I think that's vital to, our survival as a species actually yeah it's interesting you say that about the survival of a species Uh, i don't have this data point but years ago in arizona and i'm going completely off script here (laughs) but your comment sparked something in me a a dear friend christy is a bulgarian artist i befriended when i lived in arizona and she was formally trained she did a, a a master's degree in in art and she learned from her professors that people survived the plague, that the ones who survived the plague the best in ancient time were the artists mm-hmm. because they were able to calm their nerves and with that their immunity yeah. went up. What's there for you with, and, I'm, and I don't have the data there, I just remember hearing this from my dear artist friend. Yeah. Well, in the research showing that uh, uh, I mean it's the art can be very meditative 
and and the research is showing that meditation and meditative like activities strengthen the immune system and and yeah. the research of the last 20 years or so is starting to show that more and more and and I believe it to be true I believe it to be true too Jane and years ago when I was my boys were still very young, my two sons. I remember rushing from dropping them to preschool to a doctor's appointment. I remember getting my blood, you know, how they check your blood pressure and everything, just a wellness check. And they said my blood pressure was really high and threatened to put me on medicines. Mm-hmm. I said, give me a month. I want to try something. And I offered to just move my weekend art binge Mm-hmm. into my daily routine and I integrated art throughout my day at different times and then I went back a month later after this practice and got them to read my blood pressure again and it had normalized beautiful that's exactly what I believe art can do mm-hmm. and and so when it, uh, I mean and it, it can apply to any area of of life whether it's work business at home or wherever um, it can strengthen us as human beings. Yes, it can. And how does art strengthen you? Mm. I just have to walk in and stand in front of the my work table and I'm instantly in a meditative state. And I can work for 14 hours at artwork and not feel tired and feel energized and alive and focused and clear about what my purpose is in life. And uh, it just is so grounding an activity for me. So beautiful. And have you had experiences too where that grounding can also unlock? So uh, I'll try to bottom line another short anecdote where art has just transformed me. When I was a professor, I would have three weeks off in between semesters and I and I wasn't paid for that time because I was a lowly adjunct lecturer but I would use that time carefully often to have brain um, sort of brain dump art frenzy parties by myself on my deck and I remember on one particular week where I taught myself alcohol ink on tiles and how to spread and move the ink that's when the inspiration to join coaching school hit me beautiful yeah, I, I knew I wanted something different, but I didn't know what. And it came to me after three weeks, uh, three days of playing and manipulating and exploring with alcohol ink. And then I made the call to the University of Medicine program where I ended up enrolling a few months later. Beautiful. What's it for you in that sharing? Uh, beautiful. I, I just, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the groups of professionals I've worked with uh, in in an art-related coaching situation. And um, some of them have been good friends, longtime friends. So I've known them as friends and in their personal lives and work lives. And then I've had them as uh, participants in this group art coaching sessions that I do. And I, something that uh, I wanted to share with you is that it's been made very clear to me over and over again that the obstacles we all face are similar when it comes to creating a piece of art as it is 
to when we're dealing with a difficult work colleague situation or a personal situation on the family or home front. And um, so the obstacles and the way we respond to the obstacles is usually the same, no matter what medium you're working in, whether it's work, home or art materials. And so what I've seen is that uh, a lot of my high achieving professional uh, friends um, who do these art sessions with me, they're more willing to explore managing obstacles in different ways when it's looking at art materials than they are when they're uh, focusing on work or home life situations. So the art making has become a vehicle for me. It's not art therapy, but it's it's more obstacle management therapy. How's that with? <laughs> I love it. So what do you think happens to the obstacle when they're when the client is in front of these art materials? Well, they it's easier for them to see how to get around the obstacle or go under or over or how to, you know, get rid of the obstacle. And then when I talk to them, I actually talk to them about some other issues in their lives. And then they start to see the connection themselves <laughs> about how they're all related. And we have standard ways of coping and managing in life. So um, I just think it's a terrific vehicle for, or a metaphor, I guess, for uh, handling other issues that are challenging for us. Absolutely. And I'm so thrilled to hear of such a creative way that you're integrating your love for art, your love for coaching, and your and your ability to handle the dark. It's a beautiful hybrid you've created there, Jane. And I wondered, as we close our interview, what's next for Jane? How far do you want to take this? And where do you see it all going? Yeah, it, it's... Uh... It's that place of not knowing, you know. Artists often become very comfortable with the not knowing, and and we play in that playground most of the time. So I don't know, but I it's time for me to start talking to people about what I've been doing for the last couple of decades and, well, for most of my life, I guess. And... Um, I've had uh, business people in masterminds that I've been in in the last several years have said, you should be doing more of this, Jane. You're, you're helping us. And, and I, you know, that would be the end of the conversation. So it's time for me to start looking at that and exploring it and to see, to see what can be created. Oh, I'm so happy for you, Jane, and I can't wait to see what you next create. I wondered, how can my listeners find you? Uh, they could email me. Do you want me to give my email? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. My email address is jaynew100 at gmail.com. And if they want, they can see some of my artwork on Instagram at jnew100. So J-A-Y-N-E-W-1-0-0. Excellent. Well, Jane, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for coming. And you've been listening to the Sage Sayers and Debbie Gardner-McCullough. 
calling in today from Muskego, Wisconsin. If you'd like to learn more about Jane and her work, I'll add the details to my show notes. And if you're interested in working with me as a communications or a narrative coaching client, check my website, hangingrockcoaching.com, and look for my Calendly link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Take good care, and I'll speak with you again next week. Bye-bye for now. Ooh.